You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 298. I'm Tim Robertson. That's David Cohen. Hello, David. Oh. You know, it's uh, kind of an exciting week in, in many respects because Apple kind of broke with tradition and talked about a product upcoming, and that that's just unheard of. I know. This was... Not only that, they kind of admitted a failure. They said they got something wrong. They apologized for their response to getting that thing wrong. And they told the world via five or six special journalists, you know, favored journalists, what they're going to do about it. This is this is not the Apple of old. No. So I, I think perhaps you might you could argue that maybe the Apple of old might not have got it got themselves into this situation in the first place but the the thing about this for me first of all is you know not only did they do this but it shows they listen to the community which you Maybe never you're the never most sure surprising of. yeah and so for those who don't yeah. know who's been living under a rock and is a an avid apple fan uh, apple had a small press conference uh, well a, a briefing with a couple of key journalists uh gruber was one of them the only one that i really recognized to be honest name wise and they talked about the mac pro and this has been a bone of contention to many users including us we've talked about it for a year how the the current mac pro was released in 2013 so ie 2012 parts and it had not been updated period and that apple was still selling it for a very premium price even though at this point in time, it's woefully out of date, woefully, yeah. in, insultingly out of date. Starts at three thousand uh, dollars. You can drop nearly ten grand on this thing if you want to. And it would still be a four-year-old computer. Yeah. But yeah, they did actually update that computer, kind uh, of. Well, I mean, mild. They didn't, they didn't update it. They basically they um, reduced its price. So they no, they did update it. They did update it. They, they no, put no, a, they didn't. The, the components inside are exactly the same. All they've done is they've checked. They've removed the bottom end model, and moved everything down a tier. So the mid range model, the six core one, is now the entry level. Um, they didn't actually change the components inside because they can't. And that's one of the things they said is they they can't figure out a way to improve the components in that four year old computer without upsetting the thermal design. And I, I speculated this myself a few weeks ago. Was that the design was a was a back was it was a dead end in that they designed it they focused it so hard on the hardware it shipped with that they found it impossible to improve that hardware because the design constrained it effectively inside that cylinder is a is a triangle and the components sit on 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 the three inside faces of that triangle and they get cooled by a column of air that goes up the middle but that has to be uh, they they have to em emit an even amount of heat and what they found is every time they tried to improve either the processor or the uh, GPUs which are the two things they really needed to change um that upset the thermal profile of the Mac Pro and it didn't work properly it broke down so that's why they've not been able to update it it's a and, shame it's taken them four years to figure that out. And this is an issue that I think a lot of people have with Apple is that they put design over function in some yeah. of their products. And this typifies that problem to a T. Yes? Yes. And and they were they were at pains to point out in this briefing that it wasn't that they decided on the cylinder shape 
and then fit everything in there and that was the best way of doing it it actually was the other way around in that they actually set a performance goal and then they designed a computer around that performance goal but what they didn't think about was how they were ever going to upgrade it they assumed that the pair of gpus they would put in this together with the high-end processors would mean that i think what they thought is they thought they'd future-proofed it just by making it fast enough and they failed to realize that first of all people don't want to do dual gpus that's a bit of a dead end because what happens what's happened in is gpu development is focused on single boards that are getting faster and single board today is probably about five or six times faster than the pair in a mac pro yep um and but but there's no way of putting that into the mac pro and then the same with processors. People are um, focusing, uh, the, the chip developers are focusing on processors that just work in different ways than just having a set number of cores in there. And um, they, they, they just, they, they, can't, they can't shoehorn the modern stuff into that design. So they've had to go back to the drawing board. And this is what they've now said they're going to do. And it kind of surprises me that of all the companies out there who wouldn't see the tea leaves of future technologies, I wouldn't think that that would be Apple. I would think that, because they've always been kind of on the cutting edge of where industries are going. And to think that you could release a professional Mac and it's future-proof is just idiotic. Who, who The team that came up with that concept should be fired quite frankly if you can't I, see that i think i think it's a bit more complicated than that i suspect what happened is they came up with that concept and the company rather than the team who produced it yeah you let's face it we don't know what happened inside that team whether no. they were told to do it a certain way whether they had a modular option and they were told no we don't want that um you know whether something was better and it got tim cook's personal veto who the hell knows the point is, is that I think Apple as a company came to the view that the Pro market was shrinking, that the Mac Pro would be fine as the final Mac Pro, and by the time it was due for replacement, they would have consumer desktops that were fast enough and capable enough of replacing the Mac Pro while still being consumer desktops. I think they thought the iMac would step up and take over. The difficulty is, is that we found with the laptops at the end of last year, is that Intel has failed to deliver machines that can truly scale. They've produced machines that won't take more than 16 gigs of RAM and professionals demanding more than that. Yeah. They've optimized their chip development to low power idle states, and that's not what professionals want. They want to run their cores at, at top speed all the time and, you know, the power profile be damned. And so the problem is, I think... Apple read the tea leaves in terms of where they thought the industry was going, and then Intel let them down. And in the meantime, they've been left flat-footed by having a machine they couldn't upgrade or, or redevelop. I suspect there's been probably for the last 12, 18 months, there's been a debate inside Apple about whether whether they should just terminate the Mac Pro. I think you're or right whether there. They, or whether they, should, whether they should keep it and try and update it. And clearly... After, particularly after the barracking they've got after the laptops came out at the end of last year, they've decided, you know what, the pro line actually is important to us and we need to do something about this. And it sounds to me, when they say, oh, we're not going to have a new machine out to the end till sometime next year, that sounds to me like they've taken somebody's Skunk Works projects and promoted it and said, right, we're going to turn this into a real project now. And, you know, whatever that modular Mac Pro ends up looking like, um, they've, they've, so it's clearly a very early stage of development. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done this now. They would have kept quiet until they could have unveiled it with a, a blaze of glory sometime this year. And the fact that they've, they've 
they've come out and said no it's not going to be out this year shows that effectively there's been a u-turn inside apple yeah i would agree 100 percent. and i think that the concept of a modular design is number one i think it's probably the right way to go because that means easy upgrades um it does concern me that if they go proprietary and the modular design, the only upgrades will be available from Apple instead of mm-hmm. companies like uh, OWC. Uh, th- they kind of need it to be an industry standard architecture where I know a lot of people are kind of concentrating on this whole modular terminology. Whoa, that means there'll be like things you can like pop on, they'll clip on and not necessarily. You you could make the argument that PCIe is a modular design. I, I think we need to be. I think people need to be very careful. They, they, obviously, there's so much expectation now. Right. People need to be very careful of what, what they imagine because some people are thinking, "Oh, modular means I'm going to be able to buy different parts from Apple and configure it to exactly. my exact specification." It could well be when they say modular, all they mean is that. Internally, in Apple's manufacturing, they can change one part for another to exactly. make it easy to keep the machine current. That's it, exactly right. It may have no user-serviceable parts in it whatsoever. That would be a typical Apple move. I don't uh, think I they're going to go that route because the, that's what got them in trouble the last time with the Mac Pro. It, it, it could well be. We'll see. But if you think about it, the original Cheese Grater Mac Pro was pretty modular. Absolutely. Swap drives in it. You could swap memory boards on it. You could even change the processors pretty easily if you wanted to. Yep. Um, you had to buy um, proprietary shrouds and chassis and connectors and things like that to actually do a lot of that stuff. But really, if you wanted to invest the money, I mean, you've got to remember the Mac Pro. You, you, in in some respects, when it comes to upgrading the core unit, the sort of people who are buying this money is not a problem for them. They'll drop five thousand dollars on a if on a new graphics card if they think it's going to help them do their job so the fact that it might come in a fancy sh- uh, chassis and you have to buy it especially from apple's not probably not going to put them off i i think that they're going to have to go with an open architecture i.e pcie that sort of because if they don't i think they're going to be right back to where they are and a healthy Mac Pro means a secondary market. It means there is an ecosystem surrounding it, supporting that product. That's what Apple needs. And in the last design, pretty much killed that ecosystem. Uh, only yeah. very few things were available as an upgrade for that machine. And that would it, hard drives, RAM, that was it. I mean, everything else you couldn't do anything with. Look at the rest of their line now. Yeah. Pretty much everything else is a sealed box. Yep. Um, it's very difficult to do anything on the current iMacs and the current MacBook Pros. So, uh, yeah, I I think it would it would behoove them to have something far more open and modular for the Mac Pro. That's modular from a consumer perspective, as opposed to, you know for the customer's perspective, as opposed to uh, Apple's internal assembly lines. Yeah. But I, I guess we'll see. It, it could be something amazing. It could be something. That basically looks like Apple version of a um, of a PC. Who knows? Yeah, um, I think it, like, it, I, we won't we won't know. And, and I, again, they may well have when they talk module. They may have two or three options on the table at this point. And they haven't decided which one they're going to go with. And I think so, that if, quite honestly, they said they're listening to the users. That was a huge 
positive sign, but it doesn't mean that they're actually listening and, and giving them what they want. What the professional Mac users out there want is a machine that they can upgrade, plain and simple. That doesn't mean, yes, you can upgrade it, but you're going to have to get a premium upgrade from Apple only because they use some kind of a closed architecture, some proprietary plugs, some, it's something that makes it so a company like OWC or Ramjet can't sell you RAM, can't sell you uh, a processor upgrade. That would be a huge issue, and I think eventually it will put them right back to where they are. I, it, there is a risk of that, I think. I, I mean, I looking at this more widely, I suspect where this comes from is, uh, you know, you can look at a lot of the decisions Apple's made in the last two, three years, and you can say, you know what, this does smack of a guy leading a company who's um, manufacturing focused, who's product line focused. You know, the whole let's not let's not create anything new. Let's move let's move the old stuff down down the, the price chain. Um, let's keep products around as long as we can. Let's uh, milk products as long as we can. Right. Um, I, I think the, the difficulty is when you have somebody, if, you, if that is the corporate mindset and it hasn't changed, um, and whether you attribute that directly to Tim, Tim Cook or whether it's the board in general or whether it's other departments inside Apple, I don't know. But my, my reading of, of the way Apple runs its business at the moment is very much like that. Is, is a, it's all about and, – and every time they come up with something new, they're trying to drive people up the value chain because they want to increase their cost, their, their profit per unit. Yeah, uh, They're very focused on that metric. Now, to me, if that's, that mindset continues to prevail, then we will end up with a Mac Pro that's proprietary still and expensive. It will just be less proprietary and um, more justifiably expensive than the current Mac Pro because they told us – at this briefing, that the, uh, the the Mac Pro market represents single-digit numbers of, of Macs. They told us 8% of their Macs are laptops. The majority of the rest of the laptops are iMacs. And then what what makes up the less is whatever the Mac Mini sells and then the Mac Pro. Now, they've they've accepted in this, in this thing that the Mac Pro is an important product to them. Um, and so much so that they're going to, even with those low numbers, they're going to invest in building a new one, and that is reassuring. That they recognise that the the kind of the halo they get from having a professional Max is important, and that is reassuring because we didn't know that up until this point. Correct. I think I think the other thing it it says that reassures me is that the Mac is important to Apple. You know, they emphasise this. They would not be doing this if there was ultimately a plan to move us away to iPads. So this tells me that the Mac is has got a, probably a long and successful future in front of it because they're going to continue to develop uh, Mac OS and they're going to continue to develop the hardware. And so we'll always have Macs to play with rather I, than I never, to try to do everything on iPads. I never mm-hmm. doubted that for a second. I know that uh, some people, people have, did. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. You know, Guy Searle, for instance, keeps in pushing the theory that Apple is going to merge iOS and macOS, and I've never believed that. There's, they're just simply two different beasts, and well, you know one, if, if neither one of them works selling, great on the other side. If the iPad was selling gangbusters today and, and was a growing business, then that metric might change. But let, let's face it, at the moment, Apple would be crazy to dump the Mac and go all into the iPad, bearing in mind the iPad has been 
gradually declining for about three years now. The iPad so. is a victim of its own success, and I think that's what a lot of people don't seem to understand. I hear a lot of people discussing the iPad as if it's a failure, as if, well, maybe people really don't want tablets because look at iPad sales. They're just going down and down. That's not the case. I think the case is exactly what's going on here in my home. I have an iPad 2. I bought it three, what, three years ago? And I have no desire to replace it because it's fantastic. It does every single thing I need it to do. It's plenty fast enough. The graphics are amazing. And it works great. The only time I would need to replace it is if I cracked the screen, the battery started going bad, or some kind of a piece of software that I found essential is released that requires the iPad Pro. None of those things have happened. And the third thing I don't think is going to happen anytime soon at all, uh, simply because of its market share. But I don't way, need a new yeah. one. It's it's a victim me, of its own success. In fact, it's also a victim of perception. You just said it, you bought it four years ago. The iPad 2 came out in 2011. Well, I've got so an iPad Air 2. Uh, oh, an Air 2. Okay, right. Well, that's that's a different one. The Air mm -hmm. 2 is, is, is a different model. That is much yeah, it came out in 13, I believe. 13, yeah. Yeah. So, so the, about four I, years I ago. completely agree with you. In my own house, we have an iPad 2 that my daughter still uses, and for her, it's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people who just want to do certain things with the iPad, yeah, unless, as you say, unless it currently runs iOS 9, unless something comes along that everybody wants that only runs on iOS 10, people aren't going to upgrade. I think... This new model they've just released um, is is the best pitch Apple could make to actually try and get people to upgrade. They've cut the price. They've improved the quality of the device. They've, yep. Basically, they've updated the original Air. It's not quite as good as the Air 2. but um, Right. It's not it, as good as the one that I already have from four years ago. Uh, not quite, no. No. It doesn't uh, it's, have – it's, fact, it's, it's brighter. Fair, it's, it's, fast, it's faster and it has longer battery life. Yeah, um, but that's but not – it's also um, it's also slightly thicker, slightly heavier, mm -hmm. um, and the other advantage it has is, it is a lot cheaper than what you paid for that Air Two. It is, and and I think I think it, I think it is a pretty compelling machine for anybody who's looking to upgrade from the old ones. But the difficulty Apple has is that I don't think they've they've given them a place to go for that now. But what they haven't done is they've not articulated why people should do that. And I think what they need to do is develop the software so iOS 11 and the software you run on it is so compelling that everybody goes, oh, well, I'd be crazy to stick with a, exactly. an, an, an Air or an, or an Air 2 run it that's stuck on 10 or 9. And, and um, I think and it so still goes back to what I said. There's, it's a victim of its own success. The ones that they've released, starting with the iPad Air 3, were – I'm sorry, the iPad 3 – were so yeah. good that there wasn't a hugely compelling reason to go to an iPad 4. Now, I did think that a 3 or a 2 going to an iPad Air 2 was definitely worthwhile for the screen, the battery life, the thinness. Yeah. But the iPad Air Pros, or I'm sorry, the iPad Pros, are, they're not really bringing anything to the table for the average user. Uh, I think the, yeah, there's a real issue now with this new with this new iPad. The the pros look really overpriced for what they are. Well, unless you're actually a graphic artist that needs the Apple Pencil, Pencil. 
there's no compelling reason to go the pro route and spending twice as much, if not more. It, there just isn't. I think the the larger iPad yeah. is simply too big for a regular consumer. And if you already have an iPad Air 2, there's yeah, still I, no p- compelling yeah. upgrade, not even this new one. It, it'd be a step back. Yeah, I think I think to be honest with you, if if you were um, from what I what I've seen of it, I had to play with one the other day, and my brother also had to play with one and gave me a, some feedback on it too. Um, my feeling is if if you dropped your Air Two today and smashed it to pieces, um, it would be a tough call to decide what you know. Well, maybe I should just buy the older one, the the newer one that that's kind of got the slightly older specs on it, um, because. Uh, it's so much cheaper than replacing it with an equivalent um, Air 2 or, or a Pro. I think they uh, should think come out really with an iPad. Call. Yes, I, I agree. And I think they should have an iPad Air 3 um, or a replacement for this one. Simply, and I know Apple's looking at, well, no, that's when you move up to the Pro line. Simply well, that gives me yeah, that double is, the battery. That is, yeah. That is the way they're going to go. I'm yes. sure of it. I yeah. think this will. This is this is effectively is a mid-range model. It's not a entry-level model, but they've given it a pretty entry-level price. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a good. It's quite a compelling value, and I think they're hoping to make up on volume. What maybe they'll lose on margin. Um, the difficulty is, is I think they now need to look at the pro and say, what do we do to improve that line to make it a worthwhile jump? Because at the moment, it's a cup. It's two, three hundred dollars more expensive. Than, than the uh, the current what they call the they're back to calling it just the new iPad now. Yep. Or the yeah, effectively it's, call it the iPad five if you like. Yeah. Which effectively is it's an it's an iPad Air with updated internals. Yeah, they're saying it's a uh, from what I've seen, I uh, different websites are calling it the iPad Air one point five, and I think that's yeah. probably spec wise accurate. Yeah. Um, the uh, the issue you've got is yeah the, it's it's a big jump to a pro and that's before that's before you've bought these extra things like the keyboard and the pencil yep yeah which are more money again and so so if, if Apple's not careful they're going to tank the pro market and well what they really should do they, want to be going. they should keep the pro price where it is and just each one includes a pencil and a keyboard and make yeah. it a true Surface competitor. They're not going to do that. No, I know. Because, but you, one of the reasons why is because Microsoft doesn't do that. Yeah, I think the Surface Pro 4 includes the pen, but I don't think it includes the key. It definitely doesn't include the keyboard. No, you have to and buy they're extra. Another, they're, they're, they're another $110 on top. Right, but that's so, why I think Apple shouldn't do that. The, yeah, the, but I, I, they're not I going to. Apple would be going, well, they don't, right. so why should we? Well, because your sales are stagnant. That's why. Yeah, I that. You've got to find agree. a reason to get people to upgrade and there's, and look, I'm a fan of their products, but there's zero compelling reason for me to change my iPad air to zero. Do I want an iPad pro? I do. Am I willing to pay for one? Absolutely not. So I don't want it that bad, I guess. Do I? No, uh, I get, I get, well, it it does again. It comes down to a good reason why, because if you're going to buy the pro, the 9.7 Pro and do everything that you currently do with your Air 2 on it, then what's the point of doing that? You've just thrown money away. Yeah, I. Hmm. Yeah. So you, you've got to you've got to be wanting to do more things with the Pro to justify trading up effectively. And um, at the moment, it's not compelling. And I'd say this is somebody who had the 12.9 Pro. I don't have it anymore. I sold it because I figured out I just didn't need it. 
just I couldn't do the things I I thought I could, I'd be able to do with it from a professional point of view. Basically, with the pro. I need to be able to replace a laptop at work if I want to use the Pro, and I just couldn't do it. And that's because we've talked about this because of the limitations of iOS. So they need to work on those and also work on the hardware and probably look at the pricing as well. I think they've set themselves a very difficult problem by releasing this mid-range model because now all of a sudden you can go uh, you can go for not very much money at all in the grand scheme of things. So it's three was it three hundred and seventy nine dollars or is it three twenty nine? Three twenty-nine, I believe. I mean, an an iPad Air quality iPad for less than four hundred dollars—that's an immense, immense value. I'm sure it's going to be very successful. However, um, they've still got to convince people to upgrade from their even older, redundant ones. And you've got to remember, as soon as a new model comes out, you get a whole glut of used ones appearing in on the on the used market as well. And so that you're you're competing with those two in in sales. So um, I'm not sure that this is necessarily going to turn things around for the iPad. I think they need to do more than just change, fiddle with the specs and the price points to yep. to uh, turn the iPad back into a growth business, which is clearly what they want to do. I you know I think that I think it's a smart move. This new iPad, yeah. it doesn't answer or address the bigger issues with the iPad line. I think that Apple's addressing the Mac Pro is fantastic. And I think much of the community is willing to give them time to come out with this new one. They didn't address the Mac Mini at all. So I think no. that's a concern for a lot of people. Um, the iPhones, I don't think anybody's worried about the iPhone. Everyone knows there's going to yeah. be a new iPhone announced soon. Um, yeah. I, I I do hope that Apple finally gets ahead of the demand cycle on the iPhone because they're notoriously horrible about it. Notoriously horrible. If you order a new iPhone, it could be months before you get one. Um, so whoever does the forecasting there is another person that probably should be fired because, oh, we didn't know it was going to be this popular. Really? You've only been selling the thing for 10 years now. You had no idea, huh? Oh, who would have thunk? Um all in all, I, I I would say that I think Apple is in a better place, perception-wise, than they were a week ago. Yeah, at least in my opinion, they are. I would I would agree with that. I I think you know this was a huge, as I said, uh, this was a huge surprise. I mean, this is this is kind of a hell froze over moment. Mm-hmm. It's like you know what Apple thought this was such a problem, which we all agreed with them. Don't get me wrong. We, this is exactly what we thought Apple should do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah is bring people in, explain what's going on with the Mac Pro, and tell them where they're going with it. Yeah, well, we've said for a while that the whole secrecy, the one more thing type of, that that was great when the tech world was moving much faster than it is now. And when Apple was releasing innovative new products on a regular basis. But Apple hasn't really, the industry isn't like that anymore. And I hope, yeah, I, I do hope that this heralds a change of direction in Apple and they'll stop oh, just doing the, you know, let's cut the price of the old stuff uh, and keep it around. And that, that fulfills the low end. I want them to see, to see them bringing out new hardware every year, which which fulfills all of the product set, not just the top end. Right. And, you know, I want to see them doing mid-range stuff like the uh, new iPad. I want to see them do that with their other stuff as well. I want to see them do that with the laptops. I want to see a, a proper MacBook Air replacement. 
I would really like to see Apple simplify their SKUs, to be honest. I think the SKUs right now, it's one of the things that Steve Jobs really focused on when he came back to Apple in 97. Uh, But to be fair, Gil Emilio was already in the process of simplifying the product line. He was cutting a lot of stuff, and Steve Jobs gets a lot of the credit, rightfully so, uh, on some of it. But I still remember the Macworld Expo where Steve Jobs showed the product line, and it was there were so many SKUs, it was ridiculous. And he was talking about just the Mac at that point. And then he showed what the SKU is going to be. It's going to be four products. The entry-level laptop, the pro laptop, the entry-level Mac, which was the iMac, eventually, uh, and the Mac Pro. Now, you could have a couple different SKUs within each category, but that was the four basic SKUs. I think they should return to less SKUs, and I know to some people that may sound like less choice, but I think simplifying that aspect of Apple would go a long way to helping them as a company. Um, and it would be, it'd go a long way for a consumer. Well, what do I buy? Well, there's this, there's this, there's this. And it's just one skew. There, well, there's 20 different things in this one skew. I get the iPhone. you got to have the different colors and blah, blah, blah. But I think sim- starting to simplify the product line would go a long way to helping consumers. It's just way too confusing right now. It's way too yeah. confusing. It's it's a hot mess. And I think companies that have this many SKUs long-term have problems. I look at Sony, a prime yeah. example. You know, they're starting, they've started a few years ago to really simplify their product lines. And it helped them big time. Your manufacturing costs go way down when you have a simplified product line. Um, I would really love to see Apple kind of go that route. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's only going to get more confusing. But yeah, one could only hope. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but as I say, I think I think a route to that is to is to say, right, well, we're not going to keep old stuff around and keep making it. Uh, because you know we depreciated the uh, the production investments on those. Mm-hmm. Because we, what you end up doing is you end up not satisfying your customers because you sell them old clunky stuff at, at quite a lot of money. You know, it's it's fine if you're going to drop the price down to the floor to clear clear stuff out, but to keep you know to keep turning around. The, I mean, the next next product on the list for this really is the MacBook Air. Yeah, you know, the MacBook Air is is internally is pretty ancient now. And it's also got a crappy screen by modern standards. Yeah. And it sits there and languishes. I know it sells well. I know it's probably uh, up until recently, maybe. I don't know what, what's happened with the new laptops. But up until recently, it was it was probably their, their main seller. But you shouldn't be proud that you're selling a clunker as your main seller and everybody, well, everybody loves it. But it's like, okay, yeah, but you know what? You could delight people even more by updating that thing every year, every year so it was competitive with what's latest on the market. Yeah. So usually at this point in the show, we would take a break and go and play a pre-roll ad from one of the other podcasts in the MyMac Podcasting Network. But uh, until we get some new ads from some of the other podcasters, we're not going to do that this week, David. We're gonna yeah. we're just going to do a live read. And what I mean by that is let's take a few seconds here and talk about some of the other shows 
in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Uh, recently released in the network was uh, Club Nintendo. Uh, Tim has a interview. Well, Tim, Aaron, and John, I should say, have an interview with some of the folks that develop the Shovel Knights uh, games on Club Nintendo. So that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I, I listened to part of it before we started recording here. And look, Shovel Knights is a, a very popular game. Uh, of course, on iOS, but now it's on Nintendo's um, Switch. And I, my understanding is it's doing very well. It's where people are discovering it for the first time because not everybody was playing it on Android or you know PlayStation or wherever else you're going to get it. Um, and because the Switch has such popularity right now, it seems to be in the news almost every day. People are just raving about it. They love the Switch. I love the Switch. I think it's fantastic. A, a brand new market, and to be there at launch is important. So it's a fun interview. Check it out. Club Nintendo Shovel Knight's interview 2017 update because they've actually uh, interviewed these guys in the past. Uh, another new show in the network is Let's Talk Apple number 43. Uh, Bert has Allison Sheridan from Nasillacast, uh, Gaz Mass from the MyMac Podcast, and Nick Riley on the show this month. Uh, and that is episode 43 from March 2017. Geekiest show ever is out. Uh, that's all the way up to 253 there, which oh. that's that's a long-running show at this point, you know? Pretty cool. We always have a soft spot in our heart for that one. Well, we started it, so yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the MyMac Podcast just released uh, at the beginning of this week. The MyMac Podcast number 650, not a milestone. I like the description. Yeah, so 650 episodes, big deal. It's 365 episodes for the G-Men, <laughs> which is true. It's, they've they've been doing it for 365 episodes. They've been doing it for, what, well, that would make it 368, no, seven more than us. Mm. No, that's not right. No, they would be doing it 67 episodes more than us because we're at 298. Yeah, well, you got to remember that we did a lot of those shows as well. That's true. <laughs> we did a lot of those shows. Um, yeah. Next, I've got in the podcasting networks, not part of our network, but it's Mac Voices 17089, Road to Mac Stock. I did an interview with, um, uh, wow. I'm Chuck Joyner. Chuck Joyner. Wow, thank you. Uh, it's a video interview, so you actually get to see me in my office with my arcades and stuff in the background. It's not really a whole lot of interview. It's mostly me talking. I don't know if you watched it, but it's a whole lot of Tim just yakking. <laughs> Who'd have thought that? Oh, I know, right? Um, and lastly, let's talk about, for just a second, Three Geeky Ladies, because they just had a milestone themselves. Episode 100. Of the three geeky ladies. That's fantastic. A hundred episodes. Yeah. I mean, it's this three women talking place. about geeky stuff. I mean... Such a, theirs is such a fun show. It is. It really and it's is. and it's a forerunner in the whole, you know, women uh, talking about geeky subjects in a podcast. Without it being, you know, oh, look, girls. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's... Yep. I... I, I they're, they always have a really good show. I, I really enjoy them, um, listening to them anyways. And I've been, I was, I think I was on one or two episodes of that. I forget. I came on and talked about a show a long time ago with them. <laughs> I can't remember which show it was now, but they specifically asked me to come on and talk about 
whatever show it was. Now right. I got to know. Now it's kind of, I'm going to go to th- 3geekyladies.com and just search for my name because I have to know what show we were talking about. Uh, well, look, I was on there a couple times. I was on there in 79, and that was the Apple episode. <laughs> uh, I talked about the Apple's recent town hall event. That was 2016. Uh, oh, here it is, episode 47, Game of Thrones. So that's right. what it was. I went on and talked about uh, the Game of Thrones. Still never seen the TV show. It's, I'm reading the books at the moment, but I've never yeah. watched the TV show. It's really good, but you really have to be in the mood for it. Yeah. Yeah. We want to thank our sponsor this week. It is MaxSales.com. You know, some people think that email is dead, David. and I, I disagree. I don't think email is dead at all. Well, you know what? People always say email is dead, and then they keep using email. Everybody so, does. Uh, the fact that email has not died on the vine tells you that email is not dead. Uh, and one of the things you can get from MaxSales, from IWC is their uh, weekly newsletters. And won't Hot cost you time. And Rocket Yard. And um, right to your inbox, you kind of get a, a electronic flyer with all their latest specials and stuff like that. On I, I, I love receiving this sort of thing because, you know, I, I yeah, I'm a bit of an old guy now, but I always like reading magazines and that sort of stuff. I like being presented with stuff that somebody else has put together thinking the people who like reading our stuff will probably be interested in this. And, and that's what these newsletters do. It's not just a sales fly, even though that's, that's fun as well to see what products are around and what's I personally like that a lot though. Uh, Yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, that, that's, I I don't know what to go look for when I'm, I, maybe I am interested in something, but I don't even know that this product came out and, Oh look, here's an email. I'll skim through it. And Oh look, there's something. What is that? That's cool. That's how you learn Uh, about stuff. So, so as gadget hounds, we like doing that. But, but the, the, their newsletters are more than that as well because they have original content too. Which yep. I think it was something you pioneered, Tim, wasn't it? In, uh, in, in, um, in the stuff you did for them, in, in trying to bring more original content and and actually no. commission content into the newsletters. Well, I, I did some of that for them, yes, but I didn't pioneer it there. They were doing that before. Right. They, they, okay. they. I don't want to take any credit because. They've always been doing that, even going back when Grant Dahlke was the uh, marketing manager there. He was very much a believer, as was Larry, in creating original content on both their blog and their email blasts that would give people a reason to open up that email blast. And then you can also show them some of the things that you're selling because that's what pays the bills. But don't just add, 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 add. Give them some actual content. Give them some opinion. Give them some how-to articles. And they've and, been very and, successful. And that, and that's what's great about their newsletters, is that that's what you're getting. So I would say it's worth signing up for. Absolutely. Um, one of the few things you'll get in your inbox where you've actually asked for it rather than it being unsolicited. So, you know, that, that's a bonus as well, to go out and find stuff you actually want. Whitelist it in your uh, in your spam filters, and it'll come through every week and uh, give you something to look at. So we do welcome, and we want to thank uh, MacSales.com. We'll put a link into their website at TechFanPodcast.com as well as MyMac.com. We do want to solicit your feedback on each episode of the TechFan Podcast. I almost said the MyMac Podcast. I heard. Yeah, it was (laughs) a little hesitation. Um, Really easy to do. Simply send an email to the show at TechFanPodcast.com. And uh, David and I will read it right here. You can also find us on Twitter. It's at 
Tech Fan Podcast, and we are on the Facebook as well. Uh, not a lot of feedback right now. In fact, uh, none. No nope. feedback. Not this week. Nobody loves but, us. Oh, I know you can be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's been weird weather here lately. It's we were up into almost seventy degree, mm-hmm. and then we yesterday we had snow. Today is supposed to be. Uh, in the 50s, tomorrow, oh. 60s and 70s. I mean, it, and yesterday it was snow. It, it's crazy. That is weird. Speaking of crazy, what is going on with Uber? I mean, we we kind of hinted about this last week, but yeah. man, talk I, about I, a company that when, when Uber started, I love the concept and I used Uber quite a bit. I thought it was fantastic. Some of the best rides I've ever had that kind of falls into the taxis thing was Uber. It was so much better than taking a crappy New York city taxi cab that had no shocks and smelled weird. And the cars are kind of dirty inside and the guys didn't speak English at all. And I'm just hoping they get me to where I'm supposed to go because they don't talk to me and they just grunt and say, they know where you're going. And I, I will say I've never not got to where I was going, taking a, a taxi there or LA or Boston, but you know, it just wasn't a great experience. And then on the flip side of that, Uber was always great. Just fantastic. I remember meeting this couple that were doing it in Orlando and it was a fantastic ride. They were so nice. They were, the vehicle was nice. I took one from Orange County in LA all the way back to, well, no, it was in, uh, oh, where was it? It was, uh, the convention center in Anaheim. And I took that, I took one and I shared it with a guy I worked with to the airport LAX. And that's a 45 minute drive. Yeah. And you know, he had USB chargers in the back so you can plug in your phone if you needed to. He had water. Um, he was like, what do you want to listen to? Cause he had XM so you could put it on any channel you wanted. You're the one that's getting the ride. It was fantastic. It was a nice car. The guy was great. Um, and I thought, you know what? This is the future of taxi. You know, this is the future of ride share. This is, I call it on my app. A guy shows up. I don't have to give him money right there or even when I'm done. I don't have to tip him. It's just, boop. It's, it's on my credit card in the app. He's paid. I can review him. And if they get too many low marks, they're out of there. So this seemed and, like yeah. a great concept. And I think it was. Yeah. The app. The app part of it for me is is for me is is the Uber special source. The fact that you can, I mean, it's it's different for you guys in in American cities. In the UK, uh, taxis are very highly regulated, but um, there's there's kind of this weird divide. We have the black cabs, your equivalent of yellow cabs, mm-hmm. which are often which are very highly regulated and and um, you know properly licensed and everything which are uh, but they tend to be quite expensive and then we have what's called a mini cab which you're not allowed to hail for, as it drives past you you have to call to book uh, and there's hundreds of those firms across the uk and a lot you never know what you're going to get with those they can be sometimes they can be good sometimes they can be sketchy um and you really don't know up until recently most of them wouldn't take credit cards so it was always cash um, you never knew where you were going. Like you say, you never knew whether you were being taken the right way or not. Um, I've certainly had circum- circumstances where I've gotten a cab and the guy's driven around for 20 minutes and then he's dropped me off where I wanted to go. 
and I get out there and realize I could have walked it in three minutes. Right. But he didn't tell me, he just drove me around. Mm-hmm. So for me, the thing about Uber is the fact that you hail it with the app, you know when the cab is coming. You could see it coming on a map. Yep. You know what the driver looks like. You know what the license plate is, so you can find it easily no matter where you are. Yep. They also know exactly where you are, so they can find you easily. And then when you get in, you get your route shown to you. You know where you're going. You know where the driver's going to take you. You know how much it's going to cost. And you know at the end, it's going to be a, a – there's no cash involved. Um, it just gets credited. You can get an invoice. So if you're claiming that back off corporate expenses, no problem. You know, it's a beautiful experience for that for me, and that's what I've always loved about Uber. Yep. However, the issue is it turns out that Uber's corporate structure is pretty horrible. It's pretty broken and 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 it's pretty – Not just – I mean, it's just like every day now it turns out to be more and more horrible. These guys enjoy um, dumping on their female employees, either either hitting on them or not promoting them because they've complained about being hitted on. Or taking these them to brothels. Like, yeah, exactly. These like these guys like to go to strip clubs and brothels and all sorts of places like that. And when complaints are made, HR kind of shutters the shop and says, you know, don't talk about this. Don't uh, tell anybody about this. And then, and then there's their business practices. Now, they've always claimed to be disruptive, and they are disruptive. Yeah, and lots of taxi firms don't like them because they're undercutting their business. But this is also a company who's who uses their systems to try and find out if people involved in licensing cabs are using Uber. And if it does, it tries to avoid picking them up. Yeah, they break the yeah. law constantly. Yeah, this is a, this is a company who's been who's been trying to build self-driving cars, and when those things go wrong, they either drain the uh, blame the poor stat behind the wheel. Yeah, or they lie about what actually happened until it's disproved with CCTV. Or they steal proprietary technologies from another company. They're being sued. They're being sued by Google for stealing. um, And I've been reading up on that, and there's no question that this guy stole Google's technology and and gave it to Google. Oh, uh, you know what? Anytime somebody pleads the fifth, that's never a good sign. No, just everything that's been reported. I mean, it's it. There's no question. Uh, yeah, you know, when they're asked to pull all these documents out and they're going, uh, uh, we can't find them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, well, hang on a minute. The guy's admitted he took these 14,000 documents before he left Google. He's admitted he downloaded them before he left Google. And now he says he doesn't know what he did with them. What the hell did he do- download them for if he didn't know what he did with them? Right. It, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't look good at all. No. And then, and then you've also now, the, the latest thing is it turns out that <laughs> apparently some of the things they like to do with their app is to quote you based on a longer route to your destination right. than they actually direct the driver to take. Yep. So they'll give you a route saying, you know, from the station to, to your home that's six miles. Yeah. And they'll price it based on the fact that it's six miles. And then they'll send the driver on a route that's actually only four and a half miles. And so they'll pay him on the basis of it being four and a half miles, less their commission and their fees and that sort of thing. And then they pocket the difference. So congratulations, Uber. In those circumstances, you're ripping off both your customer and your contractor stroke employee at the same time. Yeah. It's at this point, it's quite clear to. And look, I don't want to take away from the functionality and the convenience of using Uber, but we have a moral choice here. And the moral choice is quite simple. Do you support a company that 
I think anyways, practices, immoral business practices, or just immoral, forget business, just it's immoral, what, some of the yeah. stuff that they're doing. I th that they I think cheat, they lie, and they a steal. Corporate, a corporate attitude of immorality. Right. right. Whether it's business or the way they treat well, the staff. Well, they cheat, they lie, they steal. At what point do people go, you know what? I, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to take a cab. But if the choice is only between Uber and a cab, maybe I should take the cab. Uh, if, if there's another ride share and look, let's be honest. A lot of the people that drive for Uber are also driving for a company like Lyft. So yeah. maybe it's uh, time to start looking at Lyft. Now, I don't know yeah. if Lyft is any better. I haven't heard a lot of negative about Lyft, but yeah. they don't seem to have the problems that Uber does. So is it time to start boycotting yeah. Uber? Uh, and if anybody from Lyft is listening, guys, expand outside the U.S. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? Here in the U.K., we only have Uber. We don't have anything else. It'll happen. Come to the, U come to the U.K., Lyft, because people Nature abhors a vacuum, exactly David. Huh? Nature abhors a vacuum. <laughs> and if Uber's going to go under, and there's good reason to believe that everything that's been going on recently could literally put them under. It could. I think if, if they lose this lawsuit, that's it. They're over. Yeah. Well, they've never the showed a profit. Yeah, but but the the potential damages if they lose this, this yeah. lawsuit are immense. Yeah, yeah. We're talking I, about. I, I think a company. Situation. Yeah, I think that yeah. somebody will buy the assets of the company. I don't think anybody from Uber would follow those assets to a new company, a new entity that would just simply take their place. But man, it. And if a company deserves to go under, and I hate to say that because people, there's some. Let's let's be honest. The vast majority of people who work for Uber, who contracts with Uber, are probably fantastic people, really good people, and they, yeah, and they don't this deserve is, this, is, this. Yeah, this is the really the moral dilemma because yeah. by boycotting Uber, yeah, you're actually punishing some of the, the some of the people who are being exploited by Uber, which is their drivers, because yeah. obviously those drivers are going to find it more difficult to to earn a living, and that's really tough, really tough, because. You know, you don't want to give Uber profit um, or your money, but at the same token, that means you're, you're depriving a driver of the money. And, you know, a lot of the people who, who drive for Uber, they really need that job. They so it, do. It's, it's but, really hard. And, and I said right at the top of the segment that every single – and I could say this wholeheartedly. Every single transaction I've ever had with Uber has always been really good. Every single one of them. I've never had a bad experience with Uber. But that's the driver. That's not the company. You know, I've never had any experience with the company Uber, just their drivers and the service that those drivers were providing me when I'm out of town and I need to get from point A to point B. Uh, it was convenient. I, they never not found me. Well, that was one time that, but that was one time. Uh, the guy just simply couldn't find me. Uh, he went to the wrong place. Um, which was surprising because it's all GPS. Dude, I'm right here. Um, yeah. It's almost unfair to say, yeah, we should boycott Uber because the people most directly affected by such a boycott don't deserve it. The same token is they're not indentured servants. Yeah. You know, they're working for a company. They can read the news. Uh, at least in the U.S., there are other alternatives. And they're working for bad people and I'm sorry. It is at the end of the day about those bad people 
hurting their livelihood. But that's what it is. I can't I, look. I'm not traveling much at all anymore, so I don't have any need for Uber. So it's really easy for me to go. Yeah, I'm not using them. I, I haven't been using them for over a year. But if I was still, at, for instance, if I was still working at OWC and I was going to all these trade shows all over the United States, I I would not be using Uber at this point. So when I was in Las Vegas last, I used Lyft exclusively, mm -hmm. um, and. Um, you know that was that was a, a great experience. It was certainly no, no. It was certainly as good as Uber in terms of the service and uh, the way the app works and everything. It was it was on a par. So there was really there was really no choice there. You know, I was quite happy to use Lyft instead of Uber. The difficulty I have, as I say, is here in the UK. I, I don't use cabs that often, but um, and I don't tend to use Ubers. In the past, I've not used Uber going from my house to the station in the centre of Manchester because right. Uber's range, Uber's area doesn't really cover where I live. Yeah. But they will happily take me from the station to home on occasion. Um, and, yeah, I, I kind of have a dilemma now. It's considerably less inconvenient. Most of the time I'm, I park at the station and, and take my car, but there are occasions when I don't. And um, it's considerably less convenient for me, uh, for me to use something other than Uber. It's either a lot more expensive... Or it's uh, I have to wait, you know, wait in a big big line for a cab, or I have to use public transport, which takes a long time and is not terribly convenient, and I'm going to have some walking to do. But at this point, I, you know, I I I really am tossed on the horns of that dilemma of I really don't want to give Uber my money, and um, you know, it's hard though when you're thinking, well, yeah, but that's might be depriving a poor sap of a fare. So I, it's tough. I'd be interested to know what our listeners think of it. Yes, make sure you guys send us your opinion on this matter. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. We really do uh, want to know your opinion on it. Speaking of email, you can go to mymac.com and sign up for our free newsletter. I would say weekly, but I don't do it weekly. I do it probably once a month. Uh, but it just kind of gets you caught up on what's going on at my Mac, and I usually write a couple uh, paragraphs tops of uh, something going on at the time. And uh, it's free, so make sure you check that out. Just click the subscribe button, or the, our newsletter button, I should say, at MyMac.com. You can find it on our Facebook page as well. David, uh, last question before we wrap, and I don't want to get into it because we're almost at an hour at this point. Did you get to see Logan yet? I have not. No. Okay. So we are coming up on our 300th episode, and I think... Quite honestly, David, uh, we should save the our because we already talked about the DC Extended Universe. I think we should save the 300th episode for the Marvel. What do you think? Sounds like a plan to me. Sounds like a plan to me as well. So we're going to do that. Hopefully by then we'll see uh, a Star Wars trailer. I'm, I'm kind of kind of wondering where this new trailer is for the next Star Wars movie. I mean, geez, it's already April. I want to I want to <laughs> see some footage of the new Star Wars movie, man. It's coming yeah. out in in what uh, December. December, yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm really, really happy that Rogue One's finally out on video, but I want some of the new Star Wars, man. I got to I gotta get my fix. And I don't know if you saw the new Star War or uh, Spider-Man trailer either. That was really good. Uh, did I watch the spider I don't think I did. I, I did definitely saw the Wonder Woman, the Justice League one. Yeah, um, we could talk about that later. Um, but, yeah, check out uh, the new Homecoming I'm, trailer for Spider-Man. It looks really good. A lot of people are complaining yeah. it gives too much away. doesn't to me. I It makes me want to see the movie more. And at the end of the day, yeah. I don't need to have a, every single moment of a movie a surprise. G give me a reason to come to Don't Don't give away everything. But uh, it's a good trailer. Watch it. 
I hear that one of the reveals is it has a guy who can um, have like a spider in it. Yeah, and another guy in a metal suit. A couple. So. so with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. This has been episode 298. Two more away from our big, grand, extravaganza 300. Okay, we're just going to. It's not yeah. going to be that big a deal. Uh, we do want to thank, again, our sponsor, MacSales.com, Otherworld Computing. Uh, we do want to thank all the other podcasts in the MyMac Podcasting Network. And if you guys want to make a new commercial, we're happy to play it here on TechFan. But until we get some new ads, we're just going to do the live reads, which, quite honestly, was kind of fun to do. Um, and uh, we'll see everybody in one week's time. And don't forget, coming up this summer, July, is MacStock. If you want to meet David and I in person, you can do it at MacStock. Go to uh, MacStock Conference, and it was at MacStockExpo.com. And uh, David and I is going to be there. We're both going to be on stage talking. Uh, we're going to be giving prizes away as the guy, Searle, and I do the MyMac quiz. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's not really expensive. Um, it's it's just a few months away at this point, David. May, yeah, June, so like three and a half months, so should really get around to writing my presentation. Yeah, you should probably get on. I gotta, I gotta get back to working on the MyMac quiz, too. I've got, like, one-tenth of it done, so I gotta get on that soon. So with that, we're gonna wrap up. See you next week, David. See you then.